Almost a month after the Chicago Bears hired Shane Waldron and Eric Washington, they were finally formally introduced as the Bears' new offensive and defensive coordinators. They said all the things you want to hear from your coordinators, and now it's important that they actually walk the walk to back up the talk. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on all of your favorite social media platforms, including the Locked On Bears YouTube channel, to find all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On the show today, we finally hear from the Bears' new coordinators on each side of the ball. We'll hear from Eric Washington about what his role looks like as a defensive coordinator who's not actually calling plays and coming into a defense where all the assistant coaches are already in place and he's just kind of plugging and playing as the new boss. Then we'll hear from offensive coordinator Shane Waldron about how he's grown as a play caller over his brief career as an offensive coordinator and how that will structure his approach coming to Chicago. And I want to wrap up with a, a way of like setting the stage on the front end. So we're not doing hindsight here when we look back a year from now or two years from now on the job that Waldron and Washington did to say, OK, what do we need to see from them in the first year to really match and back up what they're saying that they're going to do and how to not go into this thinking, ah, oh, they're going to be perfect coordinators, but like looking at this objectively as we move forward into their start of their Bears coaching careers. I want to start with Eric Washington, the defensive coordinator, because he's the guy that we've spent less time talking about. And I think we've just generally heard less about. We know he came over from the Buffalo Bills as their defensive line coach. We know he previously coached as the defensive line coach for the Chicago Bears, like more than a decade ago now it's been, but we don't really know a lot about what that is going to look like as the defensive coordinator, while Matt Eberflus, who, by the way, grew out his facial hair, has a little beard going on, looks good. I think it's a really encouraging change for Matt Eberflus. Love to do a whole podcast talking about Matt Eberflus's facial hair, but Eric Washington, on the other hand, will still not be the play caller because Matt Eberflus will be the play caller still Defensively, at least for now, maybe that's not a permanent designation, but Eberflus is going to call plays on that side of the ball. And so if Washington isn't calling plays and he isn't coaching a position specifically, you know, he'll work with them. But like what otherwise, like in the terms of like office space, movie, like what is it exactly you do here? And there are some very key, important roles that a defensive coordinator does, even when he's not calling plays. Especially on game day, what will your role be? What will you what will you do? How, how can you best make a difference? Well, just just making sure, number one, you know, understand that Matt is also the head football coach. And so, you know, calling the defense, that's that job, that responsibility. There's a lot of details. There's a lot of nuance to that. But at the same time, he's got to make sure that the team and the decisions that have to be made from that seat are taken care of. And so for me, I will be I will do everything that the coordinator is doing without actually calling the defense. And if he needs to hand that responsibility off to me temporarily or for a snap or two, be ready to follow up 
and to take that role on and to make sure that we continue to move forward in the direction that we want to go in. And so the other thing is just, you know, on the sideline during the game, just making sure that the coaches and the players are informed as far as the adjustments that we need to make and how the game is unfolding. So there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of communication back and forth uh, when we go to offense and when, as opposed to when we're on defense. So just supporting him and being of the mindset that you're the play caller. So if there's a question that's posed, if there's some way I can support that situation, make sure I get that information to him quickly and clearly so he can make a decision. The question there for Eric Washington focused specifically on game days, and I don't want this to make us overlook or forget like the also the importance of the defensive coordinator in the game week in terms of scouting the opponent, putting together a game plan for your own defense and trying to figure out you know what the best approaches are going to be in terms of coverages, in terms of blitzes, in terms of pass rushing and stunts and, and run fits and how, how you're going to attack the opposing team. Like, obviously... Eric Washington will have an intimate role involved in that process, collaboratively, of course, with Matt Eberflus and with the position coaches also get to be involved with that as well. But on game day, it ends up being kind of like a middle manager position. And I don't mean that to be like an insult. It's it's important, right? It's about being that communication and support point person for your head coach. Because yes, Matt Eberflus is going to be calling plays, but as Washington was saying there, right? Like he's got other head coaching responsibilities that he's keeping an eye on. And so someone's got to be there to still be talking to the defense and working on adjustments with the defense. Well, Eberflus also has to keep an eye on what the offense is doing and knowing, okay, do I need to call a timeout here? Am I going to need a challenge here? Like when the offense is out there, Eberflus can't be over there spending the whole drive talking to the linebackers in the defensive line. I mean, sure, he can do that a little bit here and there. Like, he's not, you know, glued to watching every second of every play on the field more. But, like, you know, the defensive coordinator can still be that sort of intermediary there where it's like, okay, defensive lineman comes off the field and tells his defensive line coach he's seeing this. Defensive line coach can tell Eric Washington that this is what they're seeing. And then Washington can tell Matt Eberflus. Well, instead of the defensive line coach having to go interrupt what Matt Eberflus is doing as a head coach and the messages that, Eberflus is trying to have with the offense and trying to keep in touch with what the offensive play call is, what Justin Fields or the quarterbacks are doing over the course of that time, right? There's a lot of different things on Matt Eberflus's plate and having a coordinator there to kind of handle them makes life easier. Obviously, we saw Eberflus get by without one this past season. I would imagine, you know, coaches like John Hoke and some of the other assistants probably stepped up and filled in some of those cracks and just took on little duties here and there to kind of make Matt Eberflus's job easier. But to have Washington as that point person and then just an extra voice. So when Eberflus is, you know, during the week working with the offense at practice or in offensive meetings, like Washington is still, you know, leading those meetings and being that sort of right-hand man, that secondary voice. And as, as you heard Washington talk, not just in that clip, but throughout the press conference, you can really see a lot of similarities in how they approach the game you know, and just their their mindsets as coaches. Very similar and seems like a natural fit here as the Bears defensive coordinator. Definitely a big focus on fundamentals and doing things the right way and, and loving football. And then he also raved about this Bears defensive line and really wanted to get the sacks up and you know trying to really get a lot of pressure with four and make a big emphasis there while continuing, you know, turnovers and tackling and doing all the things that the Bears are making a big deal out of. So I don't think Eric Washington is going to like drastically change a bunch for this Bears defense, but it's just going to help keep the ship rolling, keep things steady. And ultimately, the success or failure of this Bears defense will will fall on Matt Eberflus's shoulders. I don't know that Washington will deserve a ton of credit if things go really well this season. And I don't know that Washington will deserve a ton of blame if things were to go poorly this season. He's kind of just a little bit more of a, a cog in the machine at this point, but an important cog in the machine. Like Both these things can be true at the same time. That 
Washington will be valuable to have as another piece of this defensive coaching staff puzzle. And he might not move the needle a ton in terms of wins and losses and, and how this defense ultimately performs. Maybe he can be hands-on with the defensive line a little bit, but you know they've got a defensive line coach who's done a good job with this group as well. So it, it, it's more like an extra person in the room, an extra voice in the room, an extra leader in the room. And he seems to definitely have the right kind of intangible qualities that you want as a leader of your Chicago Bears defense. I think that's also the case for Shane Waldron as an offensive coordinator. He definitely seems to carry himself and have the type of approach to coaching and leadership that the Bears are looking for in a coordinator. But he has a lot more on his shoulders, a lot more pressure, a lot more responsibilities as the actual play caller. And we'll hear from Shane Waldron about what he's learned about himself and about his own play calling through his experience in Seattle and then dabbling in it a little bit in L.A. before that. Next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little bit further? Do you ever wonder what adventure could be around the next corner? Well, our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. Whether it's the 2024 Nissan Rogue that has best-in-class features to give you the smoothest ride possible. I, I rented one of these when I was down at the Senior Bowl last month and really enjoyed driving around in the Rogue. It's comfortable, you sit up nice and high, it's got all the bells and whistles, and it's the perfect mid-size crossover for your next adventure. But if you want to go a little bit bigger, something like the Nissan Pathfinder or the Nissan Armada can seat up to eight. They've got a bunch of towing capacity, so when adventure calls, they are there to answer. Check them out for yourself. Take the Nissan Rogue, the Nissan Pathfinder, or the Nissan Armada, and go find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Shane Waldron is the coordinator hire that's Certainly a lot more under the microscope. And also, I think the one that's easier to get more excited about will have a bigger impact. We'll see more of a, a, a visual change on the Chicago Bears because of the hiring of Shane Walton. The defense may look the same. The offense will look a bit different. Might have a different quarterback and some different wide receivers as well. That will, will help that too. But like systematically, there's going to be some shifts compared to what we saw last season from Luke Getze. And given that Getze's struggles and this the general track record of Chicago Bears offensive coordinators in my lifetime. There's a lot of scrutiny here of like, okay, you got to be better than the last guy. And we, at least with Shane Waldron compared to Luke Getze, he comes in with play calling experience, offensive coordinating experience with, with play calling that he's done for three seasons with the Seattle Seahawks and done to relatively strong levels of success. I mean, not like a top three offense every year by any means, but right, there's a certain level of like a track record here, a, a proven commodity here. So it's like, all right, Shane Waldron, come here and, and show us that, that, you know, Sean McVay coaching tree in action. Like, I don't think we shouldn't expect Shane Waldron to be the next Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, even perhaps not even a Matt LaFleur. That might not be, that might be too high of expectations to set, but we should expect the offense to be better, the offense to flow better, and the offense to have more effective, consistent play calling. And that's really where the scrutiny is going to be for Shane Waldron. It's sure it's offensive design and it's, there's, there's player development and all that stuff, but it's the play calling that everyone is really going to be putting under a microscope. And that's something he's still learning and coming along with as a younger offensive coordinator. He's done it for three seasons. It's more than gets he had, but like still relatively like 
figuring it out as you go. And I think from his perspective, he sees it as a thing where it's like, all right, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you can start to see things you do well and things you need to change and adapt over time. Your, your prior experience as a play caller was something that was attractive to the Bears, obviously, during this process. Where do you feel more equipped having had the experience than you did when you first started calling plays? Where, do you, where have you seen the growth in yourself in that area? That's a great question. I think, you know, as a play caller or anything you're doing, you know, for the first time, you know, you're, are you ready for it? You don't know until you do it. And then once you've done it, you've been exposed to it. I think it's all about reps, just like no different for a player. You know, the more reps you accumulate, the more situations that are put in front of you, uh, you know, the, nat- the more and more natural it becomes to react uh, with, a, with a positive decision in those scenarios right there. And so for me, you know, I'll look back at this, this past season and, you know, take away the, the, uh, the amount of game-winning drives that we were able to accomplish and thinking about it from the, the, the calmness as a play caller in those scenarios, taking the information in from all the other coaches, you know, everything's always going to be a, a collaborative effort in those regards. But, you know, being able to, to, to understand those situations and, and react in those split seconds and, and making the best decision for the team, you know, as many times as you can throughout the course of the game. And then also realizing, you know, it's the NFL, everybody's good. So there's defenses that are going to be great every single week. And, you know, they might make a play here and there and, and being able to move on just like a player would, hey, if you make a bad play, let's move on right to the next play. That next play might be the best one of the game right there. But don't let the previous play call impact the next play call from an emotional standpoint, you know, and so I think as you, you know, the more and more reps you get at something, more and more you do it, the more and more comfortable I feel like I become in those scenarios. There's definitely real value that comes with that experience as a play caller, right? Having been through situations before, not having to approach it the very first time when it comes up to you as now with the Chicago Bears, when it's like, okay, there's two minutes left and we're down eight and we have one timeout. Like, how do I want to approach this? Oh, well, I've been in this exact same situation however many times before, and here's how it went good and bad, so now I can apply kind of what I've already been through, and it's not as new and novel and unexpected as you go through it in this next time around. And to his credit, you know, Seahawks had three fourth-quarter game-winning comeback drives in the final four weeks of that season last year. They found ways to adapt, and that's really going to be critical for the Bears. Matt Eberflus, in his introduction, talked about you know in-game adjustments and the ability to be creative and adapt as something they were really looking for from their offensive coordinator. I don't, I don't know if that's supposed to be a subtle shot at Luke Getzey or not, but we certainly felt like last season there were a lot of times when the fourth quarter comes around and the Bears either have a lead and blow it or have a chance to come back in the game and are unable to do so. And sure, you can you can slice up blame and distribute it between Justin Fields, Luke Getzey, maybe the offensive line, maybe receivers sometimes, right? It's never 100% oh, it's the OC or 100%, it's the quarterback or 100% somebody. Like It's it's always a, a group effort to lose those games, but it's certainly something that haunted this Bears team last year, an inability to finish some of these games on top. And Shane Waldron comes in with some level of track record here that, you know, you're not going to win every fourth quarter comeback drive opportunity, but having done that and been through that and seen what that looks like and how to operate that way to finish those games on top instead of, you know, uh, sorely defeated and blowing a big opportunity that's sitting in front of you. Like that's the kind of thing that will be really valuable to the bears when it comes to that experience. Now, not all experience though is created equal. Like just because someone's been a play caller for three years, if you were a bad play caller for two years, like, you know, now Luke Getze has experience when he goes to, to the Raiders, but like experience is only as valuable as you're able to learn from it, as you're able to recognize the things you did well and try and do more of those things. And then recognize the things you did poorly 
and try and do those things differently. And I, not that I expect Shane Waldron to come in his press conference and say, oh yeah, I was really bad at this, this, and this, and we need to do that differently next year. But you know, let's keep in mind, like, yes, he deserves credit for those fourth quarter comebacks, but in Seattle, as we did, as we learned when we did our, our Shane Waldron deep dive podcast a couple weeks ago, there were issues with maybe not running the ball enough. There were issues on third down. There were issues in the red zone. I was going to say fairly consistently throughout the Seahawks time there. I mean, that's maybe too strong of a phrase, but like more often than you would not, more often than you would like, and more often than not, more often than you want, they had issues on third down and in the red zone and sometimes with running the ball. Like there are areas that we need to see Shane Waldron grow and Shane Waldron be better at in Chicago than he was doing it in Seattle. Now, similarly, like we were talking about with Lugetsi, the personnel does matter. Like just because the Seahawks were not very good on third downs or in the red zone sometimes during Shane Waldron's career there doesn't 100% mean, oh, Shane Waldron as an offensive coordinator is bad on third downs and in the red zone. Like he deserves some amount of the blame, but I don't think any of us can sit here without having been on the sidelines in Seattle and know really for sure how much of that blame. I mean, sometimes it's a receiver drops a pass in the red zone or on third down, or it's an offensive lineman gets beat. And, you know, like as an offensive coordinator, you can't control for every possible variable. Now, ideally, the best offensive coordinators still find ways to overcome those kind of things. And we should expect better than that from Shane Waldron, like he deserves some amount of blame and does need to be better on that. And then that's like, that's one of the ways I want to approach this with, with Waldron in Chicago right now is not to expect him to come in and be perfect offensive coordinator, but to come in and say, all right, he had flaws in Seattle here and there. Every, there is no perfect offensive coordinator. I mean, even Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid and, you know, Sean McVay and Mike McDaniel, you know, the, the really renowned guys, they make mistakes too. I mean, Cal Shanahan does terrible in-game management stuff, among other things. Like, they're not, there's no perfect offensive coordinator. But can we come into Waldron this year and look at what we saw in Seattle and, and set appropriate expectations and and kind of like almost like a like goals for like what we need to see from him? And that, that's that's really what I want to approach this, where it's like it's one thing, it's easy to say the right things, but we actually need to see him do it. And I want to go in this when it comes to those third downs and and other flaws in Seattle, along with the ways he talks about fitting the scheme to the personnel and this idea of adaptability next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp provides online therapy that it can be really helpful for your mental health. It's really important that we take care of our brains and try and be our best selves, especially at life's most difficult moments, but even even in just the regular ups and downs, sometimes you can use a little bit of help. I do online therapy every single week, and it's a really important part of my mental health regimen, and I can't recommend it enough for you, right? It's not about being in a crisis and everything falling apart, but it's about having a little extra help to kind of work through life's normal challenges that we're not meant to just purely deal with on our own. I know therapy can be different for everyone, and but most of us have problems that are bigger than just our offensive and defensive coordinator for our sports teams. And it's really important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited right to your schedule. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on. When coordinators are introduced and we have these press conferences, right, it's all about how great 
everything is going to be. We're going to come in. Our offense is going to be explosive. We're going to put all the players in the best position to be successful. We're going to get the most out of this guy. We're going to get the most out of that guy. We're really excited about the strengths that we have here and our opportunity to get better over here. And we're going to have, you know, you, you end up left with this feeling. They don't say it, but the feeling is like, we're going to have the best offense in football or we're going to have the best defense in football because we just got these super smart coaches that are going to come in and finally do everything right and not make all the mistakes that the last guy made, but fix all of that stuff and keep doing the things that are going well. And like these coaches are going to be perfect. And as we were just saying, like there's no perfect coordinators in the NFL. Like it's important that we hear them say the right thing. So we at least know like that they're going in the right direction, right? If Shane Waldron came in and didn't seem to have an idea that, Hey, the offense needs to be adaptable to different personnel. Like then we would be concerned. Like these are important boxes to check and not to get, like, I don't want to give them zero credit for saying the right things and, and leaving us with the right impression. Like that's good. This is a good thing, but I want to make sure that we're careful about like not getting too caught up in the hype because I think, this happened with Luke Getze, right? Luke Getze comes in, he's bringing the Green Bay Packers system, and he talks about, you know, all the different ways that they want to use this offense, and they're going to get Justin's legs involved, and they're going to get, they're going to get, you know, the, the receivers matched up better, and they're going to use motion and all this stuff, and that's great, and we're all excited about it, and even year one, we're kind of like, yes, they they finally just adapted the, op the offense to Justin, like things are rolling, and then obviously, we kind of see where it goes from there. Like, it's easy to say those things, it's different to actually, like, see them on the field on Sundays consistently from week to week. I think it helps a lot that Shane Waldron has all the experience as a play caller that we've already talked about, but I want to get specifically into this idea of, you know, trying to figure out what quarterback is going to be here and really, you know, walking the walk of putting players in the best position to be successful as opposed to just talking the talk. Here's how Shane Waldron says he says he's going to approach it. Sure. I think, you know, just from a player standpoint in general, a lot of the conversation on offense revolved around, you know, adaptability. What what can you do with, you know, different pieces of the puzzle, depending on each year, each year in this league is going to be its own individual year. And I think priding ourselves on having an offensive system, uh, a group of coaches that can adapt and, and, and adjust the scheme to the player's skill set, you know, because it's our job first to be great teachers. And then second, to be able to put guys in the right position, in the best position for their own individual success to lead to our team's success. So a lot of the conversation revolved around not just the quarterback position. Obviously, that's a, a starting point on offense. But how does that look for every position as team and, and as teams adapt each year and as players adapt each year? How do you go about planning an offense, though, at this point when you don't know? Or maybe you do, but like... At least right now, yeah. quarterback could be a couple different. There you go. Uh, no, I think, you know, as far as planning the offense, the first part for us was building a staff, getting everyone together. And then, you know, you have staffs. So we've worked together with different people in the past. Uh, people have had different experiences. But the first part of that is really speaking our language. You know, what's the 2024 Bears uh, going to look like in terms of how we're calling certain coverages? How are we calling routes? You know, what concepts do we want to, you know, uh, have as part of our core offense when we start OTAs and we start with that building block, building block approach as teachers. So that's the first part of it. And to me, you know, having a system that's that's speaking the same language, that's multiple in its ways that it can attack a defense, you know, then you start to get the players and you start to know what your personnel is going to look like for that season. And then you build it around the player's skill set. And I think, you know, for me, uh, that's been a part of my core beliefs, and I feel like it's it's worked out well with the different quarterbacks that I've had a chance to be around over the past several years. See, that sounds great, right? It's exactly what you want to hear 
from your offensive coordinator. That's great. I'm not discrediting Shane Waldron for for any of that. But let's see it. Like let's 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 keep that in mind as we see the offense this season. Make sure that we feel like okay, is DJ Moore being put in that position where the Bears are getting the most out of his skill set? You know, if the quarterback is Justin Fields, are they using him properly? Are they moving the pockets for him? Are they calling plays that allow him to use his legs and his his strong arm and his downfield passing? Or are they trying to make him into a quick rhythm short passer that he really has struggled at throughout his career and hasn't been the best way to use him, right? It's, it's things like that. Are they getting Khalil Herbert out on the edge and using his speed? Or are they handing it off to Khalil Herbert with three tight ends on third and one trying to pound him up middle with more of your fast speed back? You know, it's, it's little things like that where... It's easy to say we're going to put these guys in the best position to be successful and we're going to utilize their skill sets and build the offense to their skill sets. But let's see it. You know, if they if they draft a certain receiver and they, who's got the long speed, are they going to be used as a long speed guy? How are they going to use Valus Jones? How are they going to use these tight ends? Like that that's where I that's really what I want to watch out for moving forward because we heard we've heard Luke Getze say the same kind of things over the years, but then the product we see on the field doesn't match the words that are spoken. Shane Waldron absolutely has and begins with the benefit of doubt on these things. I And he there's evidence of him being able to do that well in Seattle. And so I'm optimistic that Shane Waldron will, but I think it's important that we don't just assume everything is going to be great. We assume, we, we hope that it will and are happy that he's saying all the right things and we're going to go this season and we're going to watch and see how well he is able to do those things. Obviously, like, all 11 guys are going to have different skill sets and not on every single play is every player going to be put in the best position. But like last year, Luke Getze had Trent Taylor, your five foot eight slot wide receiver, trying to block Rashawn Gary in week 18 on a running play. I mean, that's not utilizing skill set. Or you've had, there were plays where DJ Moore is kind of the decoy, or not the decoy, but like running a pick route to try and free up Cole Clement. Like it's not even a decoy at that point. He's just a wasted route on that play with your best receiver on the field. Like it's stuff like that, that we don't want to see from Luke Getze and we don't want to see from Shane Waldron. And when he says things like this, that sets the expectations of like, okay, that means we need to see players' skill sets being properly utilized and the offense being adaptable to different quarterbacks. And whatever quarterback skill set the Bears have next season, we should then hold him to that standard and to that accountability that like he's saying, we're going to operate the offense to that skill set, then let's see it. You know, if it's Caleb Williams, let's see an offense that's built for Caleb Williams, not trying to force Caleb Williams or Justin Fields force them into an offense that doesn't fit their skill set. Like, let's make this truly about the players and not about the system. It's what we heard from Shane Waldron yesterday. It's what we heard from Shane Waldron in Seattle and in the with Los Angeles before that. It's part of how he has consistently described his coaching philosophy. It's something that Sean McVay does very well with the Rams. It's something that we saw evidence of him being able to do, Shane Waldron being able to do with the Seattle Seahawks. And I'm very optimistic that he can do that with the Chicago Bears. Now, what that then ultimately ends up looking like in terms of, okay, how much, where does the offense rank this season? Well, we got to see what wide receivers they bring in, what other tight ends they bring in, what center they bring in, how they approach the backfield. And obviously the biggest one there is the quarterback position, but getting pretty tired of talking about will they trade him, will they not? Will they draft him, will they not? I mean, you know you know how it is at this stage of the offseason where we're, we're, we're on to free agency right around the corner. I'm heading to the NFL Scouting Combine next week in Indianapolis, so we'll have some draft talk coming your way and a bunch of great in-person guests from Indianapolis as well. So you got to make sure 
you're subscribed to Locked On Bears on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming back each and every day for your daily Bears talk. Technically, won't be in, in Indianapolis until Tuesday. So then I get there Tuesday. So then it would be Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday podcasts will be from Indianapolis. I'll be driving down on Monday and obviously Sunday won't be having left yet. So that's what you can expect as far as the scheduling goes next week. We're probably going to hear from Ryan Poles at the Combine. We're going to hear from Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, etc. So lots of good NFL draft content coming for you right around the corner. And whether I'm at the home studio here or in Indianapolis, you can be sure I'm always going to find a way to give you an opportunity to bear down.